Bring it. Hello and welcome to Feud for Thoughts. Uh, welcome back again, guys. This is me, Martin Hill. And as you may have noticed, uh, you haven't been into, uh, met with the dulcet tones of one Benjamin Simmons. And that's because he's ditched me again this week. So, uh, well, in fairness, I ditched him last, to be fair. But uh, he has. I'm on my own, all on my own. So he's gone on to do something bigger and better. Uh, well, that's what he told me anyway, so it better be bigger and better or uh, there'll be trouble ahead. So I'm going to crack on on my own, guys. But, uh, well, I say on my own. I'm hosting it on my own, but I have two fabulous guests coming up to uh, have a little chat with as well. So that's not one. That's two amazing guests who's going to blow your mind with all the fun facts uh, for the show. Uh, but one thing that is near and dear to... Uh, uh, my heart, and it is going on right now, despite plans that I didn't think it would, is the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. And that is going on right now up in Edinburgh in August. Anyone up there listening? Hi, welcome. Hope you're having a amazing... Oh, I've seen all your pictures up there, and I know that you're having an amazing time. But my fun fact is going to be about how the Fringe started. Now, obviously, it's referred to as the Fringe. It's sometimes referred to as the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is... Um, incorrect so what happened was it all started in 1947 when uh someone started it was uh i'll remember his name in a second uh rudolf bing i think is accredited for it the uh international festival the edinburgh international festival if he was looking at loads of different cities but he for some reason picked edinburgh as his city, and it was this big international festival, which was uh, following the war, he wanted to sort of um, heal wounds, if you like. Uh, I think that's what he said originally in society by creating this big festival of the arts. But it was kind of invite only, so people only got invited to this. And in 1947, when it started, there was uh, a few, it's only small, I think there was maybe about 10, something like that, groups who came up who weren't invited uh, and so they were told that they couldn't perform basically so what they did was they got venues outside the area they found obscure venues because they wanted to showcase their version of the arts which was different to what was going on at the international festival which was like all the mainstream I think it was mainly classical music and uh, theatre and stuff like that at the time and so they started creating their own uh, spaces outside, which uh, I don't think it was actually coined until the year after, actually in 1948, but a newspaper guy said that they were on the fringe of the festival. And so that's why it's actually called Edinburgh uh, Festival Fringe, because it's uh, what the fringe is, or started out as, was being on the edge of the actual international fringe, uh, international festival, sorry. So these people created it, and people came back every year, and it got bigger and bigger, and ironically... The Edinburgh uh, Festival Fringe is probably more popular or well-known than the International Fringe, but there's the International Festival, even I'm getting confused. So there's two festivals that go on in Edinburgh every summer. One's the International Festival and one is the uh, Edinburgh Festival Fringe. And it's the fringe that's kind of been more supportive of uh, alternative arts, comedy, stand-up, that's the same thing, uh, sketch. Uh, all these things kind of developed because of that. 
uh, within this alternative scene that just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, as a performer, I love going up there. It's so much fun. And anyone who hasn't been should go. And anyone who has been should go again because just keep it going. It's it's brilliant. And I hopefully will be going back there um, next year, hopefully, touch wood, if I'm allowed. Married man now, so she might, you know, make me stay indoors and, and not play out with others. I don't know. We'll see. But my two guests today are very much familiar with the Fringe. I've met both of them up there. I don't think that's the first time I met them. In fact, we might find out the first time I met them in the chat. But we've got two um, performers, artists, um, producers, promoters, comedy people, whatever you want to talk, uh, call them. They are uh, performers and uh, big fans of the Fringe. And obviously, they've been up there themselves. So we're just going to chat, talk about it and hopefully entice you guys to get up there or go back up there. So, I've chatted enough. Without further ado, let's welcome onto the show Cameron Blair and James Wordsworth. So, hi, guys. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Hello. Thanks for the welcome. Good, good. Uh, nice to see you both. Cameron, smiling as always. Uh, so, <laughs> good to see you. yeah, it's all right. It's an audio thing, so they can't see your miserable face, Cameron. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, welcome to Future Thought, guys. Thanks for coming on and helping me, uh, despite the fact that Ben has left us in the lurch. Um, but yeah, so we're just going to have a quick... Ben likes me to do a little um, bit of catch-up on some previous one. Well, I mean, the, the latest one we did was all in the Olympics. Did either of you uh, watch the Olympics? Any of the Olympics? I watched a bit of it. Yes, I did. Did yes, you enjoy? It was yeah, a bit... Did. It was a bit sad for Tokyo to go to all that expense and then not really get anything from it. Um, I mean, crikey, can you imagine if that had been London? We would have, we would have kicked off big time yeah. if anything like that was going on. But yeah, yeah, it's a shame. I have been watching it. I'm looking forward to the Paralympics as well because uh, I, I, I was a big fan. I got right into it, actually, uh, which was great. So uh, some of our previous episodes are always a bit fun. Um, so... Uh, we'll go with um, yeah. Well, all right. What's your favourite biscuit? Uh, well, my, mine is uh, there's a New Zealand biscuit called a toffee pop, which is kind of like it's a little bit like a Mars bar in biscuit form, I suppose you could say. Is that a biscuit or just a Mars bar? That's <laughs> no, <it's> a biscuit. <laughs> what, what's what's the biscuit? It's called Toffee Pop. Uh, it's like chocolate. It's a biscuit with toffee on top of it was sort of a gooey toffee on top of the biscuit, and then all surrounded in a chocolate and, and chocolate, basically. We have something like that, don't we? Probably. probably toffee Pop. Don't know. Where, where do you stand on a, on a good old uh, digestive? Yeah, I like I like digestives. Or rich tea. Are you a rich tea fan? That's yeah, my favourite biscuit. I like all biscuits, really. Anything edible, all right, from Cameron. James, you got a favourite biscuit? Yeah, uh, uh, bourbon cream. But Oh, he's got one right there. He's ready. Oh, he, was, yeah. he, he was ready and waiting for it. Brilliant. He's ready and waiting like. for it. All right, favourite <laughs> favorite bag of crisps? Oh, for me, it's McCoy's uh, flame grilled steak. Steak, nice one. Most people come here with a stupid, crappy cheese and onion. 
Cameron, <laughs> tell, me, tell me you don't eat crisps, or New Zealand have something like McCoy's steak that are actually beef? Uh, 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 well, do you know what? I actually just, I, I'm actually quite happy with just some really salted. Might sound really boring, but just let the potato and the oil speak for itself. <laughs> <laughs> just let it, let it speak for itself. Really you know, salt, they're good, man. I, they're good for a crisp sandwich. Yeah, yeah actually, I, the, the ones I do really like is the, um, you kind of get a salt and black pepper um, f- flavour in the kettles. Or, I, I can't remember if it's the kettles or the turrels or which one it is, but that's really good. Yeah, those, those whatever, hand-cooked, whatever they call them. I don't understand what yeah. that is different to a normal, how you hand-cook a crisp. I don't know. Yeah. I don't get any of that. Okay, here's one for you then. We we did a, we did an episode once on surprising entertainment. So it's a TV show or film. Well, it can be any sort of surprise, but it's something that you go to watch or view, and you think it's going to be a load of shit, but it surprises you by being really good. Mm. <laughs> so you got your thinking caps on now. Yeah. I do. I'll let James go first. I'm trying to think of something as well. Um, I can definitely think of things where it's had the opposite experience. All right, give me um, one of them. What's that? So what's something oh, you wait. thought was going to be good, but it turned out to be really bad? Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, go on. Um, and this, this is... This podcast. I feel, I feel, I no. <laughs> I feel bad to say it, though, because I don't want to criticise somebody else's work. Why is it but. Cameron's? Uh, it's not terrible, no, it's, uh, it's Jupiter Ascending, the film Jupiter Ascending. Oh, the film Jupiter Ascending. Oh, my mate was in that. Oh, really? I, I immediately apologise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even lying. It was. I haven't seen it, though. I haven't seen it, but I know uh, David uh, Jala was in it from The Courtyard. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, and uh, who you... Well, I don't know if you know Dave, but you, you certainly know The Courtyard. Uh, I don't know... Um, yeah, I haven't seen the film, so I don't know. But I have, I have heard similar reports on that one. To be fair, mm-hmm. um, so don't, don't worry too much about that. Cameron mm-hmm. is running a blank. He can't think of it. Um, he can't think no, of no, no. Turn on the TV. He probably doesn't have a TV. I have got something now, uh, but it's not. It's a slightly different. Uh, I'm taking a slightly different approach, and that I watched something that was um, so bad it, it was good. I suppose, like oh, it was. Yeah. I expected it to be bad. It was bad. But I got into just, I, I just kind of like took it that it was going to be bad, and therefore I it sort of it kind of released me to enjoy it and kind of almost laugh at it. Um, and and what it was is there's this movie you can see on Netflix uh, called the it's called the Christmas Prince, and it's like I think I, I think probably a lot of sounds um, like a chick flick. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so maybe, maybe some of the female viewers might, uh, m- may have heard of it. But it's just like the, the plot is just so predictable that I, I, I was just telling my wife basically the plot twist before they happened and she had sort of gasped at me amazed at how amazing I was. But really, it's actually a pretty straightforward sort of plot and just very funny characters <laughs> that you could just laugh at a lot. So... Yeah, I've seen films like that where the premise is so lame that you you just kind of <laughs> there are ones where you just get bored with it. Sometimes they win you over, and uh, you know I'm all I've seen bad films that have won me over, and uh, many a bad film that's won me over. Um, 
and uh, and yeah, so you're telling your wife, good, I see, because uh, you and I do have that in common, that uh, within the last 12 months, we, we have both got married. How are you finding? Yeah. We did an episode on weddings as well. You went balls out completely and did it with in COVID. Was that yeah. uh, because you didn't want me to arrive at your wedding and cause a scene? Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just keeps it under control. Is yeah, it? I mean, like, I, the problem was I, is that I had family in New Zealand and they would have come out for a full wedding and that's obviously not going to happen. <laughs> it wasn't going to happen for a while, so we're just like, ah, we'll just do a Zoom wedding, it'll be fine. Did, we'll you have the date, did you have the date booked? Or yeah, just like when did sad. you decide to get married then? In fact, the anniversary is coming up soon, oh, isn't it? It is actually, yeah. It's, a, it's on the 22nd of August. It, we, we actually decided just really early on in the COVID. I think it might the first lockdown may have just started uh, when we got engaged, sorry. So um, so we just thought, oh, we'll just push on and do it. And, and then we'll just throw a party afterwards and it worked out really well because when you have a really small because there's only eight guests at the wedding and when you have only eight guests at the wedding you it means you can, really, you can you can basically you save a fortune but also you can you can really go to town for the wedding breakfast coming off for breakfast everyone because there's only could, eight of you you couldn't have done if you had like a hundred plus guests so <laughs> no i know blimey it was the uh... <laughs> yeah i mean we 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 had that day and it was just pure luck i was was the 26th of june and they were going to call everything off on the 21st of june but we had a few restrictions but it still it, it worked well but yeah sometimes i do my my bank account envies you more, more than <laughs> more than anything else it still costs it still costs I me mean, like when you get the flower arts and the we still had all that and the wedding dress and and the obviously the rings and stuff. So yeah, no, it still, yeah. still piles up. But it, it was probably not as brutal as what it could have been. <laughs> it was good. It was fun. To, it, it was fun to attend a, a Zoom one. Yeah. And, and it's something that you know really you're lovely. never gonna um that you know, I'm 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 glad you gave me that experience, to be honest, because now I, I I've had that. One of the things I regret about my wedding is when it came to the photography. Uh, I, I hired James. Um, no, uh, I didn't do a shot with everybody in the masks. And I kind of, afterwards, I was thinking, oh, that would have been a good little time capsule of, of everything if everybody had been wearing masks during the pictures. But uh, not all the pictures. So just kind of one one. And I thought, oh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't do, well, I say that. My auntie sort of told me, you should have done this. Cause, and I thought, yeah, I should have. It would have been, it would have been wise. Um I did get one oh, or two guests in masks. Um, as yeah, but like, no, you did like casually once, but not like yeah. an actual pose picture. With, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which is uh, my fault. I never even thought of it. You know, uh, my, uh, you know, the pictures that we missed were my fault. I didn't get uh, purely because I was the one trying to organise everyone. I probably shouldn't have taken that role on, but I didn't get one with my groomsmen because uh, I was completely miles away trying to make sure. Uh, my main focus was trying to make sure Alana was happy with all her pictures. And then at the end, well, it was the day after, like, uh, <laughs> they were like, you know, you didn't get a picture with us. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because I was doing all the other stuff. But it's fine. We found bits throughout all the other pictures that we've got, which is cool. Um, but, yeah, so that's kind of how I know you guys 
now in modern times, in early times, I think I probably met Cameron the earliest. When I met you, Cameron, you were I was comparing at the funny side. So I was working at the comedy club, I believe. Mm. Oh no, did you used to do the impro stuff with um Rachel Woolworth and them? Oh, I, no, I don't know. No, no you did know. the... the so, yeah, I'm fairly certain when I first met you, you were doing Michael Gerard, which is a character that Cameron did extremely well to the point I genuinely thought his name was Michael Gerard. <laughs> I literally thought that's who he was. And I remember getting confused with, with Dave, the guy who run the club so many times, talking about Cameron and... I refer to him as Michael and he refers to him as Cameron. And we got so confused with each other because I just wouldn't call you Cameron for so long because it just didn't <laughs> come into my head. But that was a comedy character that you kind of, where did that come from? You created that from somewhere. Was it yeah. a riff on someone or it was a psychic who got things wrong, essentially? Yeah, or... it was a psychic medium who, who basically, um, yeah, yeah, he'd, well, he'd just make loads of generalizations and just try and sell them like something that was really profound, effectively, as the premise of the character. Uh, so, uh, no, I got it from, uh, I, do you know what? I was just bouncing ideas around with a flatmate when I was living in New Zealand, and, uh, and, and she said, Oh, why don't you do this character? It'd be really funny. And the psychic medium character, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll give that a go." So I tried. So I started it off actually in New Zealand, not under the name Michael Gerard. I can't remember what I called myself. I might have even just called myself Cameron Blair. I don't know, but yeah, we kind of researched it. We went to some live psychic medium shows. Oh really? Uh, I watched loads of like um, Colin Fry and Derek Cora and uh john edwards which is a, there, there was quite a bit on during the day sort of like daytime tv of these psychic mediums uh so i kind of like yeah just took took, took a funny or, or took the funny bits of what they did it was uh, it was a, a brilliant uh character do you still do it anywhere or have you Moved on no, to I haven't now. done it. Do you know what? Do you know what? I think the last time I did it was actually at one of, one of your gigs, where I uh, it's a, obviously it's a difficult character to pull off because you're pretending to talk to did uh, you know it was it was a lot of audience interaction, and I'd spend a lot of time um, talking to the crowd and pretending that I was talking to their dead relatives. So it's it's it, occasionally the the problem was if somebody had lost someone recently um which is what happened in the very last gig that i did and usually i have oh i seem I to remember of... this was this yeah, was this yeah. in the was that when they moved into the basement of the hope and anchor or something it yeah, was maybe. it was yeah i think i was trying to revive because we were upstairs at the hope and anchor and it was amazing that gig and then they tried to turn it into a theater and push me into the basement and i was struggling to get it going because there was a bit of a gap while they did all the regenerate revamping and I was struggling to start it up again, really. And I remember being in the base, and I seem to remember, yeah, I think you upset someone because like they just died like a week ago or something. Was it silly? <laughs> yeah, <that>? exactly. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's the danger when you do things like that and, and try yeah. and take the mick out of them. I don't think they were... I don't remember them being angry at you or upset with you. I think no. it just upset her and it yeah. soured it slightly. Yeah. So, oh, crikey, so you've not done it since... I feel bad now that I've yeah. killed off Michael Gerard. Oh, oh no, look, I, I think... 
I don't think that was the decision. I think I just got tired of it and wanted to do something a bit different. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it was. We had I, you know, I had lots of really good memories with that character, and I did a lot of New Zealand as well. Uh, did, did, did went down really well there. So yeah. And uh, James, we met via Crikey again. I'm going to go to the courtyard. I think I probably met you at first. But it was probably more via Impro that I got to know you because you again came to, you did the Hope and Anchor uh, there with me as well. Oh, blimey, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. see, it all comes back to me when I sit and think. I think about, you know, you, you kind of forget how you meet people sometimes, especially when you've known them for quite a long time. And because in what we do or have done in our past, like the, the nature of performing is you meet so many people at so many different times. And they probably come back into your life at different times as well. Um, but, yeah, I know you were, I want to say, Rubik's Cubes. Rubik's? Just the Rubik's. But it was a Rubik's, Rubik's Cube, was the, the Rubik's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you guys came and did the improv stuff for a while. What happened to the Rubik's then? Have you all disbanded, or is there any form yeah, of it still going? Of, uh, no, it's kind of, uh, it kind of kind uh, of sort of evaporated. Uh, there was quite a lot of, of us moved out of London, uh, which... Made it really yeah, no, good. Lauren is doing uh, teaching sign language or something now via singing. She does singing sign language things. Hackathon, okay. that's what I'm looking for for, for the kids. Yeah, uh, I've seen some of her videos for that, which is, is really impressive that she that's can fantastic. do that and that she yeah, can yeah. sing. Yeah, oh, so she's not she's singing and doing the sign language. Oh, okay, I had this vision of someone just singing through sign language, which is the kind of thing that's probably. It's the kind of singing that I could do because, like, it doesn't matter how bad your voice is. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's something to do with Makaton, which is the child's version of. I mean, I'm 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 ninety percent certain Lauren is fully. Uh, I think it's Lauren Potter. Lauren Potter. Laura Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it's. Uh, I think she's fully can do BSL properly, like adult version as well but she's very good at, she's very expressive in her face because she was an improviser and she's a really good singer so i've only ever seen videos where she's singing and doing the makaton i haven't seen uh i, I don't know if she teaches it as a as a thing because you're right i don't know how uh, deaf people hear music i'm sure they do that's an entirely different podcast to go into stuff like that but yeah so uh we wanted to talk about edinburgh now Edinburgh is uh, a big thing for me. I've been going to Edinburgh for quite a few years. Uh, James, I don't know how long you've been going. Again, one of the first times I met you in Edinburgh, you were walking around in bare feet. Oh, yes. Uh, which which was a thing for you at the time. You've gone through a yeah. few trends <laughs> for some reason. But yeah. so, so uh, talk me through that, because Edinburgh uh, is one of the biggest arts festivals in the world. It's literally there with probably millions of people all day long, drinking, moving around, doing all sorts of shenanigans in the back streets of Edinburgh, and you decide to walk around bare feet, like <laughs> everywhere, all the time. Yeah. Now, what's the, where's the, where, how did that top? Uh, so I, I had quite a few years where I did walk, walk everywhere barefoot. Um, and was, I found... was this some kind of connection to the earth thing or you yeah, couldn't that's, afford that's... shoes or what? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I found, uh, I tended to find shoes very uncomfortable. 
and uh, and definitely walking on the ground with bare feet, there is definitely a connection with the ground uh, there. And also yeah. I find that it, it's, um, I find that my body and mind feel better if I walk around barefoot. I think there's there's pressure points in the, in the soles of the feet or, or something. It stimulates the blood flow, helps my posture, um, and definitely feel more connected. And also it's a, a whole new landscape of sensory experience. You, you've got a different sense of a place uh, that you wouldn't necessarily get wearing shoes all the time. No, I'm, I'm all for people having their own things. Uh, it's nothing I'd do. Did you ever have any bad experience? You, there must have been some dog shit somewhere. I'm sure, yeah, yeah, there has been been dog shit once or twice, um, but got really rarely. And uh, I've got a friend who says that I've got a sixth sense that that I somehow avoid all, all these things. Um, well, I mean, you must have, because like, yeah, I, I suppose you're more conscious of where you're walking when you don't have your shoes on or what you're yeah. walking on. Like, because the amount of times you've come... It's just the the shit. They, you must have just had to clean your feet all the time. Like it's yeah. just what. So at some point, anyway, you decided to put your shoes back on. So there was no, there was nothing that made you. There wasn't like a bad accident or anything like that where you just went. It wasn't a bad accident, no. But it's just the people uh, really looked at me very strangely, and uh, quite a lot of people shouted angry things at me in the street. And really. Yeah, yeah. People were very angry about me being barefoot. You know, passersby. <laughs> like, what, what's the, all right? What's the worst thing that's been said to you? Um, hmm. I can't think. Can't think of anything. I can't even. I can't even think of an insult to say to someone just because they haven't got the shoes on. Yeah. No, I mean, if I saw someone without the shoes on, I'd think, "Oh, be careful, mate." I wouldn't think <laughs> you're an idiot. I'd think. Something's happened and he's lost his shoes because you don't see it uh, every day. Yeah, uh, yeah. But if someone chooses, to, if you see someone regularly without the shoes on, I wouldn't get angry about it to the point where I want to have a go at someone in the street for it. But it's, yeah, th there's bigger <laughs> things going on in the world rather than someone not wearing the shoes. Totally. I, it's quite common if just wandering around in Edinburgh. Uh, uh, if you're there for a course of three weeks, usually somebody has a go at you at some point, regardless of. <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed to be picturing it as a nice place cameron <laughs> it is a nice place but there's always like one person there's a go at you yeah so true easy. usually especially if you're trying to fly her ashore my god that is just uh the the worst thing in the world is trying to trying to get in a show so your your first time up when did you first go to edinburgh come uh so i actually first went to edinburgh i think it was 2000 two or 2003 oh, i did a show okay. it was the first year i'd ever it was my first year of comedy actually and for some reason i uh, we got this mutual friend called david dave and he said oh you should go to edinburgh and do a show so i was like oh okay so what you do so i did and uh <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was an yeah. eye-opener you always do everything was, dave tell you <laughs> yeah pretty much so that no, was a real opener it was, it was a good experience and also a real hard it was both hard and good at the same time um meet some cool people and it, yeah it was good it was good fun uh, and when did yeah. you when's your first trip james was it the barefoot it time i saw you or uh no it was bef the before barefoot time okay uh, it was uh the 
the a previous shoe time. So I went in, um, I think 2005. Uh, I I don't know. I can't remember how it came about, but I went with my previous my previous school's drama teacher took a group up to do a show. Right. And, uh, I think he invited me to to come and stay for a couple of days or, or something. I can't quite remember. But I, I stayed stayed up and saw their show and hung out with, with them for a Oh, you weren't performing? Oh, yeah, the first time I went up, I wasn't performing. And ironically, it's because Dave told me to go up as well. In fact, he... he, <laughs> wow. he he dragged me. Yeah, we both, we all went. I've always wanted to go, but I've never had the, the, the time or I, I've always been aware that it sort of happens, but I I, I hadn't been up. And um, uh, it was only, when did I go up? It must have been like two, I was with Alana at the time, so it must be 2013. We went up for like a few days and we stayed on the Cowgate on, on the main sort of thoroughfare just off there in a horrible, horrible place. But it was like, it was, I think 30 quid a night or something like that. So you were like, yeah, I'll come. I'll have that. Uh, and it was amazing. I was just fell in love with the whole atmosphere, the whole ambience of the place. There's always something going on. There's always so much stuff to watch. And it was like a, an overload for my brain really. Cause there was just too much and I wasn't there long enough. So the the next year, I, I went right. I, I'm up there, so I went up for the full whack, and that's when I did uh, gagging for it, which was a play. Again, Dave had talked me into producing. Uh, he's got a lot to answer for, as Dave Bourne. Um, <laughs> he, uh, so he, yeah, we produced a show up there uh, the year after, and while I was there, I met people who ran the box office there. And they were like, oh, yeah, if you want a box office job, you can come to it. I was like, well, I can work up there. I can get paid to be there. I'm doing it. And every year since then, I've been up working for the box office and then trying to put a show on at the same time. So it's it's been uh, so much fun to see how it all, all comes together. The, the weirdest thing is when you're there a few days before the Fringe starts and it's just Edinburgh. I don't know if you've ever been when it's just Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then overnight, a load of people come in and erect all the all the big signage. Everything goes up. They've got it down to a fine art. They've been doing it for over 50 years now. Everything's sort of built, and you just walk out down the street the day after when it starts. It's like, oh, man, the fringe. And it's just it's like a switch. It's on. Everyone piles in. It's craziness. But it's so much uh, f- so much fun just to watch all these things and, and getting to see um, – I suppose people before they become uh, massive, I expect. Like I've seen so many people who are now uh, massive. Oh, it's, what's been really fun for me, I have to say, is seeing people who did my clubs, and then you go up there and they do phenomenally well up there. Not because they were in my club, just because I've seen them at that. I've you know, I've met them at that level, and then I've seen them. And there's people who you can tell are just going to be brilliant. I, I don't know if you ever saw a, a group, uh, a sketch thing, the Thunderbards. Uh, I don't know if you oh, saw yeah. them yeah, down yeah. here or yeah. up there. And uh, two guys in there. One of them was part of the. Uh, uh, Matthew was with. Um, oh, I've got the noise next door in my head, but it's not. It's something like that. Um, it was did not adjust your stage. Yeah, that's it. He's in them. Uh, brilliant um show as well 
And the other one is Glenn Moore, who's gone on to be phenomenal as a stand-up and is, is a writer and stuff now for the BBC, I think. So seeing people like that do well is, is really good. Who who would you say is, or who have you seen that probably wasn't so big at the time, but you felt going to do really well, these these or this person or this show? Um, okay. yeah. oh, sorry, Cameron. Oh, okay. I was, I was going to say, like, probably the one that sticks out in my mind the most is, uh, is so when I first went in 2002 or three, I can't remember which one it was, was the first year that um, Flight of the Concords were at the Fringe. And actually, we're all, we're oh, all in the same venue. So I, we're all in the caves, which was run by Gilded Balloon at the time. So I was in like Caves 3 and they were in Caves 1. And um, I had some comedy songs in my... My show was not just comedy songs. It was also stand-up as well. Uh, but I had some comedy songs. And then I thought they were right. And I remember the first time, because because the Caves network's all connected, and I remember walking past sort of the entrance of their show and overhearing some of their stuff just as I was walking along. And I kind of like... In some ways, my kind of heart sank because I kind of like, oh man, they're like so far ahead of where I am at this <laughs> with with their comedy songs. But also, like, it was great to hear them, and uh, and I just their show would kind of start almost after mine finished. So I would finish my show. I'd miss about the first ten minutes of their show, but I basically watched their entire run for like three weeks, and it was amazing seeing. That whole, I, you know, every night there was this like little room at the top where a number of other performers would, because they got sort of really popular with performers before they got popular with the audience. Because so, in the first week they were like literally they'd be performing to like six or seven people in there, and you know some of their shows. So you know, like it's was, it was awesome in some ways to, and encouraging to see such a big act now, sort of when they began and just struggling to get people and just like everyone else yeah um, definitely but by the end of the fringe you know they kind of like they, they got popular with other artists coming down and watching them and just sitting up in this little top room and seeing them every night and then eventually kind of like the audience began to pick up and by the end you know they were, they were, they were selling out but so that that was probably the one that um that sticks out for me and mainly just because i got the benefit too of seeing seeing their shows so i could see them on some nights you know where it was really hard for them and that's such a good thing to see as a performer because you kind of you're under this illusion now when you when you watch them today that just every gig's so easy but to see them yeah. even though they were so talented then to watch them at that stage of their kind of career and see them struggle to get engage get the audience involved you know it's just encouraging that kind of gives gives you confidence that it doesn't always have to happen every single night, which it often does in the Edinburgh. So, so yeah, that's probably the one that sticks out for me. Yeah, no, it is good to see. Uh, it's not good to see. I was about to say, I was, I was about to say <laughs> it's good to see when they have no one in, <laughs> but it's yeah. good to see that they started from the same point. Do you know what I mean? It gives yeah. everybody the hope that they could equally, uh, exactly. you know, expand that as well. Uh, yeah. James, Jams, Jimbo, anyone you've seen who's suddenly become a big thing? I uh, I haven't had that experience. I've had like the reverse. A couple of shows I've seen that I thought would were going to go 
huge and I I'm and maybe they they are still out there somewhere but I I am, haven't seen them uh, and one was called the radicalization of Bradley Manning and it was okay. an extraordinary show uh, for one thing I I didn't really know much about the story of, of Bradley Manning who's now Chelsea Manning um, I it, so it was incredible just to learn the story and the way they they portrayed it was just so so incredible like it was it was a very immersive experience as you as you entered the um the theater uh, the theater was in a school in edinburgh so I, for for anyone who's not been to the festival uh basically any space at all can be a venue uh, yeah. it could be a phone box it could be a taxi it could be the hill i've seen shows in both of them phone box yeah and taxi, yeah yeah. Park bench, Pete Baszler did one park bench. Park bench, yeah, totally. So, so pretty much any any and every space in Edinburgh becomes a, a venue if if the uh, people who own that space want it to be. Uh, so this space was a school, and um, it just worked so perfectly because a lot of the show was set set in the school, but also as you walked through the school to get to the gym where the where the show was. Um, there were soldiers in in every classroom with machine guns just watching you as you you went in. Um, wow. and, and then in there, there was loads of uh, TV monitors and CCTV cameras, like facing you, facing the stage, facing everywhere. And this was quite immersive. Pardon? It was quite immersive. This one. Quite immersive, yeah. But but it was it was a sit down and watch show. It wasn't like a participate. Part- you, you know, you weren't yeah. actively participating in it, but it, you felt totally immersed in the atmosphere and the feeling and the energy of it. And uh, the the performers were phenomenal and they, they had music and movement and lots of different characters and jumping through time and um, this person's life. It was really phenomenal. And I just thought after this, it's going to, it's going to be everywhere. It's good. You know, I'm going to see this, going there's nothing there's a few like that i have to say that i've thought we're going to be bigger than you're right uh the one that i'm pretty certain i told both of you to watch it the other year which was that lady killer in fact james i might have taken you to see it yeah yeah i went to see it yeah i thought it was a phenomenal one woman show and fantastic uh, i haven't really i know that it did a spell down here at the pleasance in london but i don't think it's particularly gone anywhere from them but i thought that was fantastic fantastic show and it is great because you just get such a mix of so many different people up there all there for art and performing and uh i mean i've never really had any massive trouble up there so to speak only financially (laughs) Uh, (laughs) doing the shows I don't think it's for anyone who wants to make money as a performer. Uh, I mean, there's every chance that you will, but it's not, you know, uh, you can't go there for that reason. You're basically going there to try and stand out because now they've got all these awards and stuff involved that the people get recognised for them. The Perrier Award has become the big comedy stable, hasn't it, really? Staple. So, yeah... uh, uh, I love it. Have you uh, any plans for going up again? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. With the uh, show I... or just to walk around barefoot and see if it's changed? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love going. I absolutely love going as a participant and as an audience member. I'm, I'm happy to spend 
at my time there just just experiencing it and being there and i'm also i also love being involved in it so i uh, either or I, i'd love to go again. yeah and it's nice and it's weird i can just bump it i mean it's probably more so for us because we know so many performers but you just bump mm. into people all the time you know yeah. i can walk down that street and i'll pretty much guarantee i'll recognize someone from either the coming through my clubs or something like that, or I'll see Cameron in the 24 hour pie shop. One of the two. <laughs> good pie shop. Mate. It is. <laughs> it is a good pie shop. Uh, unfortunately for me, uh, I, um, the place where not unfortunately for me that I was staying with Cameron, but for two years recently, I have stayed there with Cameron and just down the road from where we were is what is quite famously in Edinburgh, the 24-hour pie shop. And it's literally a pie shop, as it says, that's open 24 hours a day. Whenever you want, you're hungry, you just bob down and have variety of stuff from um, macaroni cheese pies to steak pies to anything like that. And yeah, we were... I I was a frequent there for... I'm surprised they didn't know my name, phone number and address by the end of my runs there, to be fair. Um, That's what we kind of lived off. Uh, either yeah. that or, or most people live off like beans on toast or something like that. Like I say, you can't go there to make money. Any performer going up there with that in their mind, unless you're with one of the big venues and you're sponsored by so many different people, etc. Um, do we think, uh, I know we're slightly running out of time, but do we think it's become slightly too commercialised now, Edinburgh? Or is that a, a good thing, a bad thing, that so many people know about it and go up there? I mean, there are 317 venues, last count uh, I checked, in one city. And there are over 3,800 performances in 2019. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, it's a good question because it's definitely changed a lot over since I first went and that it's got bigger because there wasn't the free fringe. Yeah. Back in 2000, you know, there was really just the main four for comedy anyway. There was just kind of four venues, really, the sort of the big four that are there today, um, four or five. So, yeah, I really like it that there's the free fringe, and it's it gives a it gives a a great opportunity to more people. Uh, it does feel like it's almost too many shows fighting for not enough audience. So I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like it, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't object to it uh, the number of shows going down a bit and but still but still keeping the ability for people to be able to do free shows. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's probably where I, where I'm at at the moment. I th- yeah, I, think. I no, I agree. I, I think it does water it down a little bit too much, but. The nature of it is that it's, it, it doesn't can't really turn people away unless there's no space. Like yeah. the whole thing is, you can turn a, <laughs> if you can turn a phone box into a performance space, then you know it, it can do anything, yeah. can it? Really, as long as it's uh, allowed there. But yeah, it's it's a phenomenal event. Uh, it's definitely worth experiencing. Um, and yeah, we've got about a minute left. So any any final words on the fringe for anyone listening? I, it's one of my favorite things about the fringe and it is uh, the free fringe is definitely help, helping this is that there's no um, uh, there's no you can try anything whatever you have that you want to share you can come up and share it yeah. if it's 
if it's you standing giving a monologue, if it's you being upside down naked, if it's you doing a circus act, if it's, you know, whatever idea you have creative that you want to share uh, in a performance sense, then you can do it. Uh, I mean, obviously there's, you need to be able to get there and, and get a venue, but uh, the free fringe really, really helps with that. Um, it's No, yeah, um, definitely, definitely does. Um, yeah, you've, you've just heard James' top three ideas of what he actually wants to do next year. <laughs> yeah, hang up, down naked. He'll he'll do them as well. He'll do them. Uh, look, this has been a lot quicker than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. So I think both of you should come back on another time when maybe we've got Benjamin here to uh, ask us a few more questions that I've probably not thought of. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you for chatting about Edinburgh. Uh, hopefully, you. we'll get up there again and we'll all be performing soon. But yeah. Um, yeah, thank you very much, guys. We shall chat soon. Great. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. See, great guys there. I do really enjoy chatting to people that I haven't been able to chat for ages because it's, you know, lockdown and stuff like that. Uh, well, although in fairness, I did see them at my wedding. But as I've explained in our previous chats, that was a minefield of people to talk to. Um, <clears throat> but they are great. And yeah, I also completely forgot uh, to get them to... Uh, promote themselves <clears throat> so i will uh, do it for them cameron if you like the sound of his new zealand uh, dulcet tones there great stand-up um uh, guy he's got uh, some gigs coming up so he's starting a monthly night on the 2nd of september at the leather exchange uh, which is near london bridge so if you are london bound and you want to see cameron do his stuff then uh, by all means go on down and check that out. They've got a website, which is se1comedy.com. So you can book all your tickets down there, uh, take some friends down, see Cameron, uh, put a face to the the uh, voice that you've been listening to. Uh, and James, uh, I feel a bit bad now. I didn't actually probe into it. I think we're going to have to uh, get these guys back on individually when Ben can interrogate them properly. Uh, but uh, yeah, James kind of does art and photography. He is a performer as well, but he's very good with his art and uh, very good with photography, which is why I had him photograph the wedding. And he's got a website as well, which is freeing, um, as in freeing, F-R-E-E-I-N-G, .co.uk. So you can check out some of his work and stuff on there as well if you wanted to. Um, but, yeah, they've been great. Uh, nice chatting to them about Edinburgh. Like I said, if you haven't been, you really should go up there and just experience it. If you've even got a remote love for any of the arts and by any of the arts there's everything there so like your music you can do uh there's dance there's impro there's sketch comedy there's stand-up comedy uh musical comedy uh you can do there's even got like the circus so there's a big circus hub in one of the the sort of green areas uh near the university and obviously there are lots of places to eat drink and be merry as well uh and they've got like they put up i don't i actually don't know if it's there all year round or not but they have like a big wheel kind of like the london eye but probably not as big uh which is in the main park uh, uh next to princess street which is the main sort of thoroughfare that you go through where all the shops are uh and again lots of really nice shops i mean edinburgh as a whole is beautiful uh and obviously in the international festival they have the tattoo uh at the uh castle uh, edinburgh castle and uh, lots of stuff going on with the International Festival as well, uh, which is like your classical musics and your theatre uh, and things like that. So it's just 
a really exciting place to be. Uh, this year, it is going ahead. It's obviously a bit quieter than it normally is, but um, definitely worth uh, stopping by, having a look. Uh, and if you, everyone's staycationing, aren't they? So everyone's staying at home uh, this year. So get up to Edinburgh. It's only there till the end of August. Uh, that's when it runs. Uh, and yeah, go up and enjoy. Uh, next week, I'm hoping that Ben is back joining me. Uh, so you'll hear him back here. Um, because he's not been around to chat to this week, I've got no idea what the topic is going to be. So it's all going to be incredibly uh, surprising for all of us involved. Uh, until then, I hope you all have a grand week. And that's it from me, Martin Hill. Bye-bye.